Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Take your Bible, if you will, and open to Hebrews chapter 11, and we will be looking at verses 23 through uh, 31 tonight, and uh, you know, I hope that um, one of the things that you do and one of the things that um, is on Uh, your list to do every day, every morning, is to uh, pray for your staff. Um, You know, a few years ago, I remember that there was a targeting of all uh, preachers and all uh, staff members um, by atheists and people that were into witchcraft, and their goal was to bring uh, staff members down and closed doors of churches, and so um, uh, somebody asked me, said, well, how, how was your week? I said, I'll be glad when the sermon's done, because I, I wrestled, you know, Satan attacked so much as I was preparing this, and I've had a long time to really prepare this one, and so uh, the bruises are, are many as we went through this. You know, if you're going to stand and, and, and share with God's people about faith, uh, you're going to end up with some bruises as you as you go through and as you look at that. And, um, you know, we do need that series on when people come to church. Uh, W.A. Criswell used to be at First Baptist Church in Dallas a few years ago. And so, um, marvelous preacher. My favorite of the oldies was Adrian Rogers because everything of his rhymed. I could never, ever match uh, his preaching style because always main points rhymed, his subpoints rhymed, the points underneath that rhymed. It's, it's what you call uh, onomatopoeia. You know, everything just had that. And not only that, but he, he was a handsome fellow as well. We always teased him that at least God could have made him ugly. You know, because he had his deep voice, baritone voice that, to go along with it. But Dr. Criswell was visiting this, this church one day, and was, they'd invited him to come and speak. And so afterwards, he went out to lunch. And then when he came back that evening, he told the church, he said, Listen, I have halfway enjoyed being at your church. But if I had my choice today, I would have joined the restaurant rather than joining your church. Because he said at the restaurant, somebody met me out in the parking lot and shook my hand and said, we're glad you're here today. We hope you enjoy uh, everything that we have. If you don't enjoy it, please speak up and let somebody know so that we can correct the problem. He said, somebody met me at the door and shook my hand and explained how to get to where I needed to go. And then when I got there... Uh, the person that was bringing my water and everything, I didn't have to ask for more water or anything like that. They just kept my glass full because they were 
deacons. They were runners in the dust. They just kept everything filled up and everything. And he said, you all didn't even tell me where the bathroom was when I got here this morning. He said, I like to die, you know. And so anyway, just kind of keep that in mind as we're going through that people are coming here who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they could be coming here for the very last time. I have sat with people who have told me um, that they were going to go to church for the very last time to see one more time if God spoke to them. If he didn't speak to them, they were going to go out, put a gun in their mouth, and take their life. So there is that battle that's going on. Okay, that's a side point. It's not in my main points here. In Hebrews chapter 11, I want to go back to... Verse 1. As we're we're looking at uh, verse 1, the scripture tells us that whatever is not a faith in our life is what? It's in Romans. Could you say it a little louder, please? Sin. Yes. (laughs) We don't want to say that, right? Whatever is not a faith in our life, is sin. So the writer of Hebrews has written rather strongly to this church, and now we have this whole chapter on on faith, and there's a lot of strong teaching on faith to this church, and I think that he's beginning to speak to some of their sin in their life. Now, if... I were to give you a quiz tonight, and I were to ask you to take out a piece of paper and write for me, what is faith? Could you do it? Because having these two verses memorized, it would seem like to me would be a high priority for a Christian. Because whatever is not of faith is sin. So, and the scripture also says that if, I say I'm saved, but I keep on sinning, then I am a liar, and the truth is not in me. So I could have several problems going on. So the writer says, now faith is assurance. It's not a maybe. It's not if things work out okay. If not, if things come together. It's not if I wish it so. But it is the assurance of things hoped for. That's tough. That's tough, isn't it? It is the assurance of things hoped for. I mean, it's not even reality. You're sitting here tonight, if I were to ask you, are you saved, most of you would tell me that you are saved, and I would say to you, okay, tell me why you think so. And you would probably take me back to the word, that here's my assurance of what I'm hoping for. And, And hope, hope is something stronger than just, well, I guess, you know, no. Each one of these people that's being talked about in this chapter have not seen what it is that they are talking about. 
Isaac, as Ben talked about him last week, Isaac was going on the promises of God. He had never, ever been in the position that he was in before as he takes his servants with him and they go to Mount Moriah and as they come to the foot of Mount Moriah, he sends his servants back. And as they're going up Mount Moriah, his son asks him a question. Dad, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where's the sacrifice? And what's the answer? God will provide. Now, when you and I are in the midst of our life and God has promised us and we're going up that same mountain, what's our answer? God will provide because our hope is in him. And we call this the Hall of Fame, heroes and this sort of thing, because it relates back to us and maybe holding us up a little bit And I don't know about you, but the closer I'm held up to God, the more the sin shines through. I think that this chapter ought to be, great is thy faithfulness, Lord. Great is his faithfulness, and what a great God we save, or we have. Now, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, I want to tell you, how many of you set a goal to grow in your faith? Well, that's something that, that God just gives me, and, and I, he, just, he just grows me. No. No, we had a missions conference last week, and a call was sent out, and some of us felt that call and dodged it. And there's some things that we sit in here Wednesday night after Wednesday night and you learn, you learn, you learn, you learn. We sit under some of the greatest preaching in the city and maybe in the state. And we learn, we learn, we learn, we learn, we learn. I hear about small groups of the greatest small groups in the world. We learn, we learn, we learn, we learn. You can't make the next step of faith until you step. If you never step, it's just head knowledge. It is not heart knowledge. And when you make that step, you find out how big your God is. How large God is. What God can do. Have any of you ever been to Haiti before? Is is it a poor place? It is an extremely poor place. I was in Haiti one night with a group of, of, of folks, and we were meeting together. We were going to pray together. We had a knock on the door. And it was a Haitian pastor that came in, and he sat down, and he said to us, I need $10,000 to finish my church. And God told me to come to you all. Now, I don't know about you all, but when somebody tells me God told me something, I get a little, okay now, wait a minute, hold it, hold it. But I'm in, I'm in another country and, and everything, and so we decided that we would do the Baptist thing, 
We take an offering, and we told him, don't expect $10,000 out of us, you know, because we're just not walking with the $1,000 bills in our pockets there. And we're going to pray for you. So we took up the offering, and we had about $200 that we were going to give him. And we started praying. And after we prayed about 30 minutes and we were still praying, there was a knock at the door. When we opened the door, now this is, this is, not, just a, this is not a pastor's story, okay? This is the truth. There was another Haitian, and you have to go to Haiti to know how extreme this story. There was another Haitian at the door with two paper sacks. And he comes in, he sets down the two paper sacks, and he says, I was told by the Holy Spirit to bring these two paper sacks here to this room that men were praying for these paper sacks. Now, we've been praying for $10,000, not paper sacks, okay? We opened up the paper sacks, and there was $10,000 in those two paper sacks. Now, you all who have been to Haiti, you don't see very many Haitian people running down through the streets with $10,000 in paper sacks, do you? No. They have about $20 a month to live on. But great is our God. And great to behold his work. Now, I want you to listen as we get ready to go over here to verse 23. I want you to listen to to a song just for a moment. And and I, I want you to get your heart ready to really listen to the word for God to speak to your heart, okay? So just listen for just a moment about the faithfulness of God. If you have felt the dark of night Questioning what is out of sight He is the answer, He is the light If you have felt the weight of sin Bound by the shame that's hemmed you in He'll break the chains He will forgive Lift your head Morning is coming There's more to the story Don't forget In grief and in glory Still great is His faithfulness felt broken and betrayed no one to trust alone afraid he'll comfort you he knows your name if you've wrestled with 
cross and why this has been your road to walk he bore your pain he wore your One thing that struck me as I read over these verses of Scripture was Isaiah 58.11. I know it's strange to be reading in Hebrews, but be struck by Isaiah 58.11. And in Isaiah 58.11, it says that where God guides, he provides. And as God was working in Moses' life, it says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, there are a lot of beautiful babies and everybody says every baby is beautiful. But this is not what the scripture is talking about. What the scripture is talking about, if you go back to Exodus and and look at Exodus, it's talking about that as his parents looked at him they saw that God's presence was on Moses and that God had a particular task for Moses' life. And yes, the, the, the Pharaoh of Egypt was trying to 
control the number of Hebrews that were in his land. And so all of the children under a certain age were going to be killed or drowned in the Nile River. And so his parents put together a basket. I mean, you studied this in in Sunday school when you were a child, or if you didn't, you missed out, okay? It's It's a wonderful story. But they put him in a waterproof basket, and they knew when the Pharaoh's uh, daughter would bathe every day and they pushed the basket into her presence. And they knew that she could not have a child. And so as they pushed that child into her presence and as she opened the basket, what did she find? The beautiful baby that she had been praying for. Oh, that's coincidence. Oh, that's just... A funny story. No, that's our God at work because God has a plan of salvation for his people. It is time up for the people to be slaves in Egypt. It is time for them to go to the promised land and Moses is the leader who is to lead them into the promised land. Now, have any of you ever been in the military? Okay. Any of you served in Iraq and Afghanistan? If you're going to move a large number of troops, does it not take a pretty long time? It does. Okay. This man needs some training. When you get ready to work in a church, I mean, they plopped me down in, in, in a church, and I had been saved... By the time five years, and I asked my secretary, what's the first thing that I need to plan for? What's coming up? And she said, BBS. I I was in big trouble, okay? I was in big trouble because I, I had been in the Roman Catholic Church up until I was 21. I didn't know what the initials BBS stood for. And... I didn't want to ask my secretary and really probably prove my stupidity. So I called my wife, who'd been Baptist all of her life, and said, what is BBS? My secretary's telling me I've got a plan for BBS. And she said, it's Vacation Bible School. I said, why do they call it that? Why do they use initials, you know? It was sort of like the Army and the military. Everything's got initials and numbers. So God has a great plan that is going to happen. And there are decisions of faith that need to take place. There are decisions of faith that need to take place in your life and in my life. As we go through our lives, there are decisions that we're making all of the time. Now, Are we making those decisions in the flesh? Are we making those decisions by faith? It is so important to know that God has a plan for your life. And it's not like yours. It's not like yours. I promise you, in my life plan, at age 18, was not to go to Southern Seminary and become a Baptist preacher. That was not in my life plan. But that was God's life plan. And God had a plan to move me to that point. And I had to make 
the decisions in faith along the way that was called. Now, in these decisions, here he is. He's brought before Pharaoh's daughter. And as he's brought before Pharaoh's daughter, Miriam, his sister, while she's admiring the baby, says, you're going to need somebody to feed that baby. Somebody's going to need to nurse that baby. And she said, do you know anybody? I happen to know a lady named Jochebed who could do that for you. Now, who was Jochebed? That's Moses' mother. His mother gets to be with him from the time that he's an infant to the time that he grows up. And do you think that his mother is teaching him all the ways of Egypt? His mother is teaching him to fear God, to trust God, to put all of his hope in God. His mother is teaching him about a deliverer that's going to come. His mother is teaching him about a savior. God has a plan and God has a way. Does Moses know that at that point? No. But as he grows up, he knows he's different. He knows that he's different. And he knows that he believes different. Christian living involves making the right decisions. Okay. Everybody in here that has made the right decision 100% of the time, please raise your right hand. It is decision-making time. I didn't think so. In fact, we are around more people who have made the wrong decisions. I had a young man that came in to my office, and he was drinking a fifth of whiskey seven days a week. And he was wondering why he was getting DUIs. He was wondering why he was going to jail. He was wondering why his mom and dad were mad at him all the time. I said, do you think it could be the fifth of whiskey you're drinking? Well, yeah, yeah, that could be it. That could be it. I said, listen to me. You need to stop drinking a fifth of whiskey every day. Right now. In fact, you need to stop drinking at all. He said, you're right. Everything in my liver is elevated. And I said, okay, stop it. So he came back in, and when he came back in, his hand was all stitched up and everything. I said, what happened? He said, well, I drove my fist through a window, and my hand got all caught up. I said, why? He said, I drank a fifth of whiskey and got mad at my sister. He said, but I got good news. I said, what's that? He said, I'm only drinking a fifth of whiskey three days a week. Now, that's like going in and telling the doctor that your hand hurts. And when he asks you why your hand's hurting, it's because you're hitting your hand every day with a hammer. Now, what's he going to tell you? Stop hitting your hand with a hammer, okay? And you go back in and tell him you're hitting it with three days a week, he's going to, you may end up a valley, okay? Because that's not a right decision. And when it comes to spiritual matters, okay, we only halfway make those decisions to follow God, right? Ha- 
halfway. Moses was making decisions to follow God all the way. But some of his decisions were wrong, right? I mean, he does murder somebody, doesn't he? Now, God surely couldn't use anybody that murders somebody. Yeah, again. And when God begins to speak to him, well, well, Lord, I'm not a very good speaker. Listen, this dude had been trained in the highest universities that existed. Now, he might not have been able to speak Hebrew as fluently as some of the other languages that he could speak, but this dude could probably speak six or eight languages. And he was in the most scientific society of the day. We're still trying to figure out how they built the pyramids, right? And then he had dare stand before God and say, I don't speak well. And God's got a great sense of humor. We'll send your brother that stutters to do the speaking for you. In case he missed it, he says it, he says it three times. Okay. So we have to be able to make right decisions. Christian living involves making the right decisions. And we need to make faith, we need to have faith-fueled obedience. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's a big decision. That's a faith-fueled decision. Right? I mean, he could have sloughed off and said, listen, I'm going to back up, just like these folks. I'm actually Pharaoh's daughter's son. You understand? Y'all need to do what I say. No. He comes forward. He doesn't rely on that. Another decision that we can look at here, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. That's another faith-fueled decision. When you get together with a group of people, what kind of decisions do you make? Is it decisions that God would have you stand on? Or is it or the fleeting decisions that are fleeting pleasures of sin? He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Have you missed that one in the scriptures before? He considered the reproach of Christ a greater treasure than all the wealth of Egypt. Now that's a big decision. Where do most of us spend all of our time? Let's let's get the wealth of Egypt together here, right? Because that's the thing that gives us the most status and brings us about. You know what? This comes about because Moses knew whose He was. He knew he was God's child. He knew that God had chosen him. Do you know that that God has chosen you? Who, me? Yeah, you. Have you ever watched a race before? How many of you have watched people run? Seen that? They all have their own lane, don't they? You ever watch that? Now... 
You may look at this chunky body and think, that is not the body of a runner, and you're 100% right, okay? But it still runs. I've run four marathons. Now, the thing about running is you got to stay in your own lane. you got to run your own race. And it's real hard. I mean, running and racing plays with your mind. You're, you're running in a race, and you're running up a hill, and you're going up that hill, and you're just barely making it up the hill. And you look at the dude next to you, and he's coming down the hill. And he's he just running, and no sweat, nothing's happening to him. God, I want his lane. No, you don't. That's his race to run. Your race to run is the one that in the lane that you're in, because that's where God is using you. And God has a lane for each one of us. And God has a lane in our lives. And God is going to meet us in that lane, and God is going to use us in that lane. Above my desk is the decal of one, just one. I'm praying for two, okay? One of mine may be getting close, I don't know. But God's been moving in their life. God's been moving in their life. The other one may be getting close too. Because I see movement of God in their life as well. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured at seeing him who is invisible. He left it the first time, not on left Egypt on the first time, not in good circumstances. He's running from the law. <laughs> Second time, God says, I want you to go back to Egypt and deliver this news. Now, that's the reason he didn't want to go back. He had a little guilt going there, but it, it's funny when we confess before God and come clean before God, it doesn't make any difference what they do to us when we get back there. If we're clean-hearted and everything, and God is in the power of our hearts, it doesn't make any difference. Because when he goes back, he has a message for Pharaoh to deliver. And isn't it interesting that God had prepared one who had grown up in Pharaoh's house to say to Pharaoh, it is time for my people to go. Let my people go. He had a stubborn heart, but God knows how to crush a stubborn heart. And that was through the death of his firstborn son. Never want to come to that point where God has to deal with us in that way. By faith, he kept the Passover. You know, faith is trusting the unseen and not your circumstances. And faith accepts God's plan. God had a plan. And the plan was for them to go back. And for there to be a sacrifice. And the blood would be put over the doorpost. And the death angel was going to come. And whoever had the blood sprinkled over the doorpost was going to be passed over. Passed over. 
Have you thought about your life? Have you thought about your house? When people enter your house, is it a passed over house? So when they enter your house, it's a house of faith and it's different. And your marriage is different. Your children are different. There's a lot that we could go into here. Faith rejects the world's prestige. You know, there'll be a lot for Moses to brag about here. Faith rejects the world's pleasure. Faith rejects the world's plenty. Faith bearing witness to Jesus and faith trusting in the unseen. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people passed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And it was not a regular falling down. It was not, bring up the tanks. Not bring up the grenade launchers. It was walking around the walls and singing the glory and the praise and the faithfulness of God. And on the seventh day, the band tuned up. And they played at one time. And archaeologists tell us that the walls fell from the inside we have an amazing God. And not, not only that, but one point in here. A covenant with Rahab. Now we all think of, of Rahab as a, a, a wonderful woman because she's in the genealogy of Jesus, and, and she's just a great lady. But in that day and time, she was a hoe, okay? A prostitute that God touched her heart, and her faith became in the living God. And God told her, take in these two spies. Hide these spies. Let these spies out. God said, I will preserve you and your children. There is nothing that our God can't do. You can't go too deep down in sin that God can't find you. He's been looking for you for a long time. Right? What is your thing tonight? A lot of us got a thing going, haven't we? Where we're wrestling somewhere with God. I don't know where you're wrestling with God tonight, but you're wrestling somewhere with him. We always are. You might be reading God's word and, and looking at God's word, and you're wrestling something with 
that God's saying to you, do this. And God, that's impossible for me to do. That's impossible for me to do. He's, he's urging you. No, oh, no. I'll think about it, God. Are you going to tell the God of the universe who does this, I'm going to think about it? You realize you're not God? There's a po- poem written by a black author whose name is Johnson. I love it. I love it. I say it to myself all the time. Your arm's too short to box with God. God takes a swing at me. He connects every time. You ever try to take a swing at God? You never connect. God nails you every time. He may be nailing you right now. It's okay, God. Okay, okay. I surrender. And maybe that's fake. Because you need to surrender to the faithfulness of God in the assurance of things hoped for. Oh, we're never going to have a baby. We're never going to have a baby. Watch out what you pray for. You could get five of them. You say, oh, God. You blame it all on him then. But you were the one that was praying, right? You may have been touched by the tragedy of, I never get to see my kids. I never get to see my kids. My ex-wife is just... Read the book. Know your children's love language and quit worrying about the blocks and love your children. A 17-year-old girl cried for an hour in my presence yesterday because her dad won't spend any time with her. He divorced her mother. He's married another woman, and they just had a daughter. And he said, and she said, he spends more time with that little girl than he does me. may sound mean, but I said, don't whine because it's making you into a good mother. Do you want to treat your children that way? You better be careful what man you pick out to marry. <laughs> Let's make sure he's a godly man. Let's stop looking in the past and look forward. Now listen one more time. Let this song Break your heart or build you up, whatever it needs to do, about the great, great God that we serve. We're going to play it a little bit louder this time for you, okay, so you hear it. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the Connect Card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. 
You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.